No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your whole body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. And while Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. And so he went in and reclined at table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that Jesus did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. So you pray with me. Heavenly Father, we, we give you thanks that in your son Jesus we have received everything. Lord, we have an eternal inheritance because we are part of his family. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that you would remind us of who you are, that you are a God who loves to give. Lord, that we would be moved to gratitude and generosity because you have indeed given us everything in Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would be seated. My glasses are on the back and on the sound thing, I think. Can you go get them? <laughs> Thank you. Subtle, thank you. Um, <laughs> I was like, can I get through this without my glasses? And I was like, I cannot. So I had to get John go get him off the sound table back there. Um, just part of being 44. Okay. Uh, good morning. How are you guys? Good. Um, well, if you're visiting with us, I just want to say again how um, glad we are you're here this morning. I did want to give you a heads up, though. We're, today is um, a little bit of a different Sunday. It might feel a little bit kind of like family talk uh, that you've entered into, um, and you'll see why here in just a few minutes. But if you are new uh, to Apostles, um, just to give you a sense of who we are as a community. You know, what we believe here uh, is that Jesus is the most amazing person who has ever lived. That Jesus was not just a great teacher and a great prophet, but he was the son of God. And out of God's love for us, he sent Jesus into the world to rescue us from death and sin and to give us, to give us life in his spirit forever. And so we believe that Jesus is absolutely amazing. And so that's why for us, um, our vision, what we're trying to do here is to be this, a community following Jesus in Houston. For us, it's all about Jesus. And that's why we frame our life together around these three goals, to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, 
and to do the kinds of things that Jesus did. And that invitation is for all of us, no matter where you are on your journey with Jesus, the invitation is to go all in with Jesus, to go all in with our worship, with our prayer, to go all in with everything we are, to sweat and bleed together for the king and the kingdom. That is what we are after here at Apostles. And it means when we go all in, we go all in with all that we are. We go all in, as we just sang about, with all that we are. Our whole heart abandoned to the Lord. Our, our hearts, our minds given to him. Our gifts, our abilities, our time, and indeed our money. Our money. So this is the money talk. Okay? <laughs> so that's why I said this is a kind of a family talk. But my prayer is that it would bless all of us. Now, here's what I'll say about the money talk. Um, as soon as I say that, as soon as you hear a preacher up front in a church start talking about finances and money, it gets awkward. I get it. You don't like to talk about money. I don't like to talk about money. Can we just not talk about money? That would be one approach. Uh, however, I do think we really need to talk about money. We need to talk about this. And so this is a family conversation I want to have together. And just ask the Lord to kind of lead us in this conversation. Um, it's okay if it's a little uncomfortable. But here's why I think we need to have this conversation. Because God is doing amazing things in the life of this church. God is doing incredible things in your life through this community and through you in the life of this community. And I could stand up here and I could talk about a whole list of incredible things and the ways that we've seen God at work through things like Alpha and life groups and, and worship and what God's done through prayer and the ministry of the Holy Spirit to bring healing and wholeness and, and life, life to the full with Jesus. There are all kinds of stories. In fact, I was so encouraged this week. You know, Several people just said to me how much they love being a part of this community because of what God is doing in their life through it. Some of it was about life groups. Some of it was just what happens here on a Sunday when we worship, we encounter God together. But several folks said, this, this church is more alive than any church I've ever been a part of. And so I praise God for that. Praise God. God is at work here. The Holy Spirit is at work in our midst. And so we praise him for that. And because of that, our city is being changed, whether we realize it or not. Our relationships are being changed, whether we realize it or not. And our hearts are are being transformed by God. And so because of that, because it's a heart thing that's going on here at its core, we need to talk about money. Because when, when we talk about money, especially when the scriptures talk about money, that's their focus. When they talk about money, it's not really about money. It's really about the heart. And so we want to focus in on our heart before the Lord Jesus this morning. And so what I want to do is just, I want us to look at what Jesus says when it comes to money and giving in our hearts. And so if you've got a Bible, I want you to open up to the words we just read, Luke 11. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's some blue Bibles kind of scattered around the room, or feel free to pull it up on your phone. But Luke 11 is where we're going to kind of camp out and look at Jesus' teaching. You know, Jesus, as you're turning there, just a reminder, Jesus loves to mess with us, Okay. Jesus loves to mess with the way that we think and the way that we see the world. And so he loves to take things and kind of turn them upside down on us. And that's exactly what Jesus does when it comes to this idea of giving and money. 
In fact, Jesus makes this really clear uh, in his words recorded in Acts 20, 35, when he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That's what Jesus said. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, we've looked at this word blessed before. Uh, this spring, we looked at makarios. Do you remember this? Makarios is this idea that, of being blessed, but also of happiness, of celebration, of, of joy. And, in other words, you could read this where Jesus says, hey, congratulations to those who love to give more than receive. And so the real question I have for us is when we hear this, it is more blessed to give than to receive, do we believe it? Do we really believe this is true? It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, whether we'd be willing to admit this or not, I know this is certainly true for myself, there is a part of me that has a hard time really, really believing this is true. I mean, I think part of what I feel on the inside is like, this is a moral ideal that is admirable. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us what the best would be. But it's not real practical. <laughs> it's hard to actually work this out in the midst of everyday life. How in the world does it work that it's actually better to give away than to ever receive anything in your life? It just feels unreasonable on a certain level in the midst of everyday life, impractical, unworkable. And so we hear you, Jesus. We hear you saying, you know, this is the way it should be. But then in real life, I, I just don't know that this is right. You know, that this works. What's interesting is over the past few decades, the sciences have kind of, well, they've confirmed that Jesus is right about this when he says this. Not that we need the sciences to confirm Jesus, but they do. Jesus wins again. That's what we're going to see here, all right? So, so it's interesting. Two sociologists from the University of Notre Dame, uh, one of them named Christian Smith, he uh, did a bunch of research on this topic of gener generosity. And he wrote a book called The Paradox of Generosity, Giving We Receive, Grasping We Lose. And in the book, he and his co-author, they, um, they wrote this. It says, people rightly say that money cannot buy happiness. But money and happiness are still related in a curious way. Happiness can be the result not of spending more money on one's self, but rather of giving money away to others. Generous financial givers are happier people. Science shows this. Statistics show this to be true. This is a fact, is what they discovered. It is indeed more blessed to give than it is to receive. But here's what's interesting. That is true. Jesus said it's true. Science confirms it true. And yet most of us actually when we operate in the midst of our everyday, we operate out of the belief that more is better. We actually operate out of this place where more is better, so receiving is better than giving. Smith goes on to say our materialistic, individualistic culture has cultivated within us what he calls, I mean this is intense, he says it is a psychotic lust for affluence that is completely out of touch with reality. He says that's what's happened to us in our culture. In other words, what he's saying is we live in this false reality, believing that it's better to get stuff than to give stuff. It's better to receive than it is to give, when in fact, everything, all the evidence says the opposite. That's why he says it's psychotic. 
Now, this is not a new problem, right? This is not a problem peculiar to our culture or our moment in history. This is a human problem. And that's why Jesus spends so much time talking about money and about giving. It's interesting. Uh, I heard the other day from another pastor that um, he read somewhere as much as 25% of Jesus' teaching touches on money and finances and giving. Uh, I, did, I looked this up and I found this. Biblical scholars have identified about one out of every four parables that Jesus tells are related to money or finances. So just kind of let that sink in. You know, imagine if one out of every four Sundays from now on we're going to focus on money. Right? Is this still the most awesome church you've ever been to? Right? I mean, that's how much Jesus talked about money. Isn't that incredible? That he spent that much time focused on it. And it's not because of money. Right? It's because Jesus is interested in our hearts. And he knows that money is connected with our heart and our life with God. How we relate to money says a lot about what's going on within us. And so for Jesus, money is always about way more than money. So let's look together at Luke chapter 11. If you want to look at verse 33, it says there that no one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar or under a basket but on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. Now, what does Jesus mean? I think this part's pretty kind of self-evident, self-explanatory. We get it. You know, we have Christ. There's a light in Christ that now is in us, and that light is to shine forth so people can see Christ and be drawn to Jesus. Don't cover that up. Don't do things that obscure Christ. Don't put it under a basket or under a stand. But what's interesting to me is this next part. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light, but when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. What in the world is Jesus trying to say here? It's really interesting. In Jesus' day, the eye that he's talking about, the eye is a metaphor basically for how you see the world. So in, in the first century context, as you heard these words about Jesus, you would be thinking about, okay, this is about how I see the whole world when Jesus says your eye. And so what Jesus is getting at is that you can have a healthy eye or an unhealthy eye. You can have a, a way of seeing the world that's, that's unhealthy. And what's interesting is, in the Greek, the word unhealthy actually carries with it this idea of greed, the word that he uses here. And the word for generous, or I'm sorry, for healthy carries with it the idea of generous. And so what Jesus is actually saying here is that your eye can be healthy and generous or unhealthy and greedy. And so that's why he talks about the way that we see the world is so important. Jesus says... And seeing the world with a generous eye, what happens is you see the world through the lens of abundance. In a world of abundance, life is marked by God's generosity and hospitality. God is the God who gives and gives and gives and gives. And so to see that, see through the lens of abundance, is to have a healthy eye. And it's to live a life marked by generosity and gratitude. On the contrary... To have an unhealthy eye, Jesus says, is to look at the world through the lens of scarcity. There's only so much, right, in the world. Everything is kind of comes, it's a zero-sum game. And so the more that you have means there's less for me. And so I have to fight to get what I want and what I need. And so we function out of this 
lens of scarcity. And what it does is it, it cultivates in us a desire to have more control and to have more comfort and more security through the things that we get. And so as a result, Jesus says, you get an unhealthy eye. You get an unhealthy outlook on the world marked by selfishness and greed and relentless pursuit of more and more and more. And what Jesus says here is he says, don't see the world that way. But instead, what he says is, be sure that the light in you does not become darkness. In other words, don't allow your vision to be obscured. See the world rightly. Have a healthy eye, a perspective of abundance. And so Jesus is saying something really, I think, really profound here when it comes to money and our relationship to it. Jesus says our money is a window into our hearts. Our money is actually a window into how we see God and how we see ourselves and how we see the world. There's a great um, quote that I came across from a guy named R.T. Kendall. In fact, somebody in, uh, in our church family gave me this book last year and I don't know who it was, but they hand me this book, and I've been reading it, and it's amazing. It's, it's, just, it's from like the 1950s. It's called Tithing, R.T. Kendall. And he touches on this idea that, that this is very much connected to our hearts, and this is what he says. He says, we reveal our hearts by our giving. If our faith has not touched our budget, then Christ has not fully captured our hearts. We show who we worship by how we use our money. Tithing is not about solving the church's financial problems. It is about the solution to our own spiritual problem. It is likely the biggest hitch. Listen to this. This is his claim. It is likely the biggest hitch in our Christian growth. It is our stewardship of money. And then he goes on later to say, our unhealthy relationship with money has the power to arrest our development at a spiritual level. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel convicted by that. If you were to actually look at my heart through the lens of my relationship to money, what he's saying is it reveals way more than we realize about what's going on within us and our relationship to the Lord Jesus. And here, here's why. Because at the deepest level, the deepest level of our hearts, we we were made by God and for God in the image of God. In the end, only God and his way of living is going to actually satisfy us in our deepest longings. St. Augustine put it this way. He said, thou hast made us for thyself. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. In other words, until God has all of us, our whole hearts, including our money, we will never be content. We'll never be content. And so Jesus, that's why he says so much about money. He says a lot about money because it's not about the money. It's about our hearts and our relationship to the Lord. And so the question then is, how do we approach this idea of giving as a heart issue and not just about money? Thankfully, Jesus tells us, look in Luke 11, again, at verse 37. It says that Jesus was invited to the home of a Pharisee the Pharisees um, had a very particular and peculiar way of washing their hands. This whole kind of ceremonial thing they would do to make sure their hands were clean and that everyone knew their hands were clean because it was a sign of their commitment and their purity. 
And so they had this whole kind of routine. And so here in these verses, what we encounter is a Pharisee who sees Jesus not do any of that. And he gets offended. He gets upset because he's not following the rules. He's not clean before the Lord as he comes to this meal. And so when Jesus doesn't do this, they get upset. And this is when, what Jesus says when he sees how upset they are. He says, now then, you Pharisees, clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But now as for what is inside you, be generous. Be generous to the poor, and everything will be clean for you. Jesus says that you are going to great lengths, that's what he says to the Pharisees, you're going to great lengths to wash your hands the right way, but what about your hearts? What about what's going on within? It's full of greed, he says. Your eyes are unhealthy, in other words. The way you're seeing the world is through the lens of scarcity, not abundance. That's his critique of them. But Jesus doesn't just criticize what they're doing, he actually invites them to change. He invites them to clean out their hearts. Now, how do they clean out their hearts? What does Jesus say? You clean out your heart, verse 41, by being generous to the poor. That's how you do it. Everything will be clean within you if you are generous to those in need. In other words, generosity is the way you scrub out the inside of the dirty cup, is what Jesus says. How you excise greed from your heart. Now, just... An observation about this I think is really important to notice. What Jesus is saying here is that if you take up a practice, the practice of generosity, it actually will shape your heart. It will actually change the way that you live and see God and yourself in the world. In other words, be generous, give to the poor, because doing so will actually shape your heart. Jesus says when you move towards generosity, in other words, you will actually become a generous person. Your heart will change. It will follow your actions. I think that's so important. I think some of us kind of think only the other way works. I have to be convinced of something and then I will do it and then I will change. But Jesus says actually our practices, what we do, have the power to change how we live. But again, immediately after this, Jesus warns, again, it's not just about the money. It's not just about the act of giving. Look what he says in verse 42. Woe to you Pharisees because you give a tenth. You tithe. We're going to talk about what a tithe is in a few minutes, but it's, it's 10%. A tenth. You give a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs. Now, the tithe, if you're not familiar with the tithe, what Jesus is talking about here is this ancient practice that was commended by the Lord. Um, kind of the, the origins that go all the way back to Genesis 4, but you really see in, in Leviticus where this full-fledged idea that we give back to the Lord the first 10%, the first fruits of what we've received. And that meant for them in an agrarian society, it meant uh, they gave their produce and they gave their livestock. They gave the best and the first. And so they were doing that. And the Pharisees were actually doing this all the way down to taking little pieces of mint off of a plant, a tenth of it, and giving it and tithing it. And Jesus says, look, you have made this important act of devotion and sacrifice into this hollow thing, that you're just doing it to do the act. And Jesus says, as you give, your heart is being revealed because you're still neglecting the poor and the justice of God. These things, he says, you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You should have given. You should have tithed. But 
your heart is disconnected from that tithe, is his critique. And Jesus is hearkening back to the famous words of Micah in chapter 6, verse 7 and 8, where it says this, Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, sacrifices, gifts, of 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He's shown you, oh man, what is good. And what does he require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. God's heart gives to us out of his love for us. And his desire is that we have that same heart that we give as he gives, that we give like God gives. God loves to give, and he is at work creating a people, therefore, who love mercy and love justice and love the poor and love those who are in need because that's his heart. And so he's creating here, Jesus wants us to understand he's creating here a people of generosity, a people who love to give. Now, let me just say, that all sounds great, right? All that in terms of just kind of idea-wise, theoretically, giving and being generous and being moved by the heart and taking up this practice, it all sounds great, but we all know it's actually really hard to do. It's really hard for me to do. It's hard for all of us to do. And so what I want to do is I want us to take up this practice of generosity together. This is connected with our budget for next year. This is connected with our vision for next year. But really, I, I don't think this is about a budget conversation or a vision conversation. I think this is a heart conversation for us with the Lord. And so what I want to encourage us to do is take some time, if you haven't done this yet, take some time this week to think on these things and take them before the Lord and ask him what he would have you give. What does it look like for you to be generous, to give out of a heart that loves to give because we worship a God who loves to give. So as you do that, I, I've prepared um, a little handout. Some of you, I think, maybe missed this on the way in, but there's a handout, and if you need a copy, there's a, a bunch up here in the front, and you can come by here, or you can grab one on the table out. But there's just some notes, way more than we could get to this morning, on tithing. What is tithing? What does it look like to tithe? And then also it kind of gives some really practical ways that you can begin to take steps, like Jesus says, take steps into this, begin to practice this so that it will shape your heart. And here's some practices on this piece of paper that you can do. Now, as you're reading this, and please read this because I think it will bless you. As you read this, as you take this home, what you're going to think when you look at it, when you really begin to chew on this, is that this, what Jesus is talking about is crazy. It really is crazy to think about what Jesus is calling us to be and do here in terms of generosity. It makes no sense. Unless, unless he actually is the king and we actually live as people in his kingdom. That's the only way this makes sense. Is if Jesus is who he said he was and we are in him who he says we are. That's the only way this makes sense. Jesus is calling us to follow him with all that we are, to be with him, become like him, and do the kinds of things he did. And if that is what we are working towards, if that's what he's calling us into, then it's going to change the way we see everything, not just money, the way we see our work, 
the way we see our relationships, the way we see sexuality, the way we see everything across the board will be turned upside down by his kingdom perspective. And so that's what he's inviting us into when it comes to giving and money. And so I want to say this is not easy. It is challenging. But what Jesus says is blessed, blessed are those who give. And do we believe him? Back to that first question. Do we believe that is true? So here's our dream at Apostles. Our dream is that we would become people who love to give. That we would become people who love to be generous because we are absolutely convinced that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so I want to encourage you just again, pray, listen, and then give as God directs. Because I'm convinced if we do that, then we will never, ever lack for any resources. Never in this community where we lack the resources necessary to do what God has called us to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a God of generosity. And Lord, would you just give us a heart, the gift of a heart. Holy Spirit, would you give us the gift of a heart that sees the world through the lens of abundance. Because you have given us everything. Lord, you've given us creation, life, Jesus. Life on the cross, Lord, is ours through your son. We have everything. And so move our hearts to give generously, Lord, not out of guilt or compulsion, Lord, but because we love you. And Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom as we steward the gifts that you've given us, Lord, that you would bless us and bless others through those gifts. Lord, for your kingdom's sake and for your glory, we pray that in Jesus' name, amen, amen.